the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team Tidy Business, baby. I want to start out this podcast, Rachel, by just saying a sincere or wishing a sincere like sympathy to uh, the like the fans of the Arizona Coyotes, um, as we will get into. You know, they this is a, this is a fan base that you know has a. Uh, you know, being through the ringer, man, like it's every single year, they got to worry if their team is going to leave. Um, they haven't necessarily been given a lot to cheer for. Um, and they've also been forced by the team to like publicly campaign to keep their own team in place, basically, you know, like they've had yeah. to speak at hearings. It's been ridiculous. That being said, though, that being said, um, if the Arizona Coyotes or whatever they end up, turning out to be. And we'll talk about it in the sense. This is my segue into it. But if they ever make me stay up until one in the morning to cover the results of a municipal policy election again, I will, I, I will dismantle their new rank hand, brick by brick myself. That was, Mike will get a voting license and vote himself. <laughs> that was unbelievable. I can't like I, the entire time. Like, like it, it is unbelievable what they have like the, the hoops that they are, are are jumping into. So let's let's get into it. Basically, they, the, uh, you know, yesterday was the big or not yesterday. Two days ago was the big vote um, for the Tempe, you know, outdoor and indoor uh, entertainment sort of complex that was going to happen on literally what is a landfill next to the airport that yeah, had caught on fire last year. Garbage. It's yeah. a garbage dump, and it caught it on is, fire last year. Du- it's actually a dumpster fire. Yeah, they literally they were going to build a giant thing. Dumpster fire. Yeah, and and the thing is too is is at least from the initial initial proposal, it seemed as if there was no public money being used, which, which is, is great. Good. Yeah, it's going to be two point one billion dollars of uh, uh you know of of private money from a bunch of different places. So that's very good, um, and yet, and basically that that was. That that was their whole that was their whole plan. Like yeah, they, they didn't hinged, seem like they had a plan B. They hinged everything on this. You know, like there's that's the reason they're playing in or not like the reason they're playing in a, a college stadium right now is, is the fact that like they didn't pay their rent and didn't do it. part of a story that I broke last year. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about my feelings towards them in that regard. Um, but also like th- this was this was basically the fight for the future of hockey in Arizona, like to keep them in there. And on all three propositions, the three propositions were like, you know, to, to have say of the land, to build on the land, and then to like profit off the land, basically. Those are like the three sort of propositions, Prop 301, 302, 303. All of them were voted down by the public. And it, you know, it, 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 it seems as if now that the future of hockey, oh, look, they've, the Coyotes have announced that they're staying at Mullet Arena, which is the, the Arizona State um, College Rink. Uh, for next year so at least hockey is staying in arizona for next year mm-hmm. um and then what the uh, uh what the arizona coyotes sent out to their season ticket holders is that you know we're gonna fight to keep this we're still gonna fight to keep it and at a certain point rachel i gotta wonder <laughs> like like at a certain point if the if the girl keeps rejecting you at the dance do you not just find another dance partner and I say this with great sympathy to the fans that will likely have their team 
you know, ripped away from them. I want to underline everything with that because that those are the people that are being affected here. And like, they've done nothing wrong. They've all they've done is support this team. Um, and the- also to everyone that's like, Oh, all 10 fans actually screw you because if you look at the statistics of what the Arizona Coyotes have done for grassroots hockey in Arizona, mm-hmm. just like anybody in Toronto, you can absolutely pipe down because without the Arizona Coyotes, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have or Matthews, Matthews, Matthews or Matthews. Exactly. So shush, because the Arizona Coyotes as an organization, whether it be Shane Doan or um, just like the schools that they run, between the junior coyotes and the women's coyotes that they, and I think they're the Kachinas is what they're yes, called. Yes, they're the Kachinas, yeah. Um, Arizona has one of the biggest budding grassroots hockey programs in the U.S., and it's because the Arizona coyotes have been there. So it's, it's objectively bad that this is happening, and I'm really worried about if Arizona moves, like if the franchise moves, what it means for grassroots hockey because – a lot of kids are getting an opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise have received. And I don't think they should be penalized because the NHL and Alex Morello and every owner before him absolutely sucks at doing this. I'm so sick and tired of talking about this hockey team that has nothing to do with hockey. And it's not even just like, it's not just the arena. It's anytime they make a trade, it's they're acquiring the ghost of a player so they can, money launder and spend less money than they're allowed to. And when I saw that, you or know, it's them misappropriating revenue sharing and yeah. then trying to threaten Katie Strang. Like, first of all, if you think like, like we talk about reporters being like not reporting on the, the hard things in hockey. And that's true. But of all the people whose credibility you're going to attack it, you think that attacking Katie Strang's credibility and threatening her is is the the, the PR strategy there that's going to do positive things for you? Like, probably not. So I want to go through something as well here, is that Katie Strang, the reason why they were threatening her, she came out with a piece last year about how chaotic, or two years ago, I think, at this point. It's two uh, years, 2021 two years in February, yeah. yeah. About how chaotic it is to work for and work with the Arizona Coyotes organization under right. Javier Gutierrez, the owner. And basically what the, what the Arizona Coyotes would do is they would, they, they would create any sort of partnership with a local vendor, you know, like a, a just, you know, food, you know, like the, the, a local vendor that um, even supplies, paying rent. <laughs> yeah. But like, give me a sec, like, ho- like, f- like food of like food vendors, like the friggin' vendors that, that provide like the, uh, the plastic tops to cups, you know, stuff like that, that there's so yeah. much sort of, and what they would do is they would, you know, sign a deal. And the invoices would come in and they wouldn't pay them and they wouldn't pay them and they wouldn't pay them. And they would grind them down until the vendor would be like, all right, I'm going to sue. And they'd be like, great. Well, we're an organization that has a t- like a huge legal team. So we will just bog you down in litigation. And there were certain vendors who, you know, if if they were ever able to even get money from them, if they're ever even to get paid, it wouldn't even be the full. It w- it yeah, they were the like bringing total. them down. They were negotiating them down after they signed okay. contracts and just and like vendors would be like, I don't have the resources to fight this in court the way that they do. And on top of that, it was just a it was a completely chaotic and toxic work environment. You know, like people like there was the culture of fear that's going around. The people threats. would be screaming. There would be threats, all that. Um, I will say this though, like the, the vendor part is not normal. The culture of fear with yeah, the hockey organization is completely normal in hockey and it shouldn't be, but it, it shouldn't is. Be. And so then after Katie Strang 
came out with, with all that stuff. Um, I was in the hockey news office and I remember I was recording a bunch of stuff and I thought, why don't I just go to the Glendale? Like, cause, cause the city of Glendale was suing the team. I remember this. Yes. To try and kick them out. Um, and Katie Strang had said like, Oh, they, uh, um, they are like, they're not paying their vendors and they're not paying their uh, like property tax or something. So I went to, I, so I, then I called the Arizona, like, like the Glendale County or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. uh, uh, like their the city manager, there's the <laughs> city manager, the guy who, who does all this. I thought it was going to take forever. I get him on ring one, basically. I go, Hey, you know, I'm Mike Stevenson from the hockey news. Like, uh, 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 affiliated with Sports Illustrated. Like I just, you know, I'm I'm just getting some background on, uh, on on like what's going on with the Arizona Coyotes. You know, the uh, this thing came out. You know, it says in public record you're assuming them. We can. And he's like, oh yeah, they haven't paid their rent. They've never paid their rent. And like we are, and and we are trying to like we were going, we were going to be in sort of like an agreement with them on this this renovation of Gila River, uh, Gila River Arena or whatever, but like, we cannot trust them. They have been just an, a terrible tenant. They grind us down. They do not pay. Um, and, and like, even as of now, and, and keep in mind after that, like in Katie Strang's thing, they said that they, they aren't paying their rent. They aren't paying signing bonuses like the players. Time, which um, um, I actually did confirm with somebody at the PA that that was true. So they could deny oh, yeah. it all they want. It was true. And then, and then also it's like, they, they, they have their property taxes and, and all that. And then I remember after that came out, the coyotes came with the statement saying like, you know, whatever it's false. Like we, like, as of today, we've all like, uh, all of our bills are paid or whatever. So then, I, but then I talked to the city manager and he's like, no, they haven't. <laughs> no, paid they the rent didn't. Eight, he said they haven't paid the rent in 18 months. It's oh. a year and a half. So I go, what? And I basically just, just, interview this guy and I break that story, come out with a piece kind of starts to blow up crazy stuff. And, uh, and, and obviously I sent a request for comment to them before it went up. That's what you have to do in these scenarios is you have to give yeah. the other, if you're going to break something like this, you have to give the other side a chance to, uh, 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 to comment. I basically was like, Hey, you know, this piece is going up in the next, you know, like 90 minutes basically, or I leave hour or whatever. Um, I, I like, would you like, like, I I'm reaching out to comment on, would you like to comment on it? Whatever. Um, they didn't, they didn't respond for an hour. So the piece went up. I I had to put it in my piece that, you know, we reached out to the Arizona coyotes for comment. They could not be reached. And then after it comes out, they email me with actually all, like all our bills are like, they lied. (laughs) All our bills are paid really because the city of Glendale says otherwise. Zero sympathy for the organization. Yeah. And Alex Morel, let's be, very um candid about this alex morello didn't buy the arizona coyotes because he wanted to own a hockey team it's not jim ball silly situation here alex morello bought the arizona coyotes because it would help him build his gambling empire because in the state of arizona if you want to have like a casino uh sports book kind of thing it has to be like in a rink that you own or something yeah. like that so he didn't he bought the coyotes to serve his gambling interests not bought the coyotes in the way that like jeremy jacobs bought the boston bruins like jeremy jacobs owns the boston bruins because he wants to own the boston bruins jeff molson owns the montreal canadians because he wants to own the montreal canadians like bill foley purchased the vegas golden knights because he wanted to own a hockey team like he's wanted to own a hockey team for decades Mm -hmm. this guy no so with everything that mike just explained literally 
screw the owners, screw all of the executives who treated people poorly, fostered a poor culture, and threatened various reporters, and every crappy, awful person that is involved in, first of all, trying to get taxpayers to pay for an arena that you are then going to solely profit off of. I'm sorry, but that's nonsense. Like, to me, and this is why, like, in Toronto, when MLSE built um, Scotiabank Arena or the Air Canada Centre, they paid for it, right? Calgary, they want a bunch of public money and they're, like, fixing the election on it. Vancouver wants a bunch of public money. Like, I'm sorry, but you own a franchise or more than one. You are worth more than a billion dollars. Build your own freaking stadium. Do it yourself. Stop asking taxpayers to pay for your crap, especially when you're the Arizona Coyotes owner who just wants it for a gambling profit. I think that's nonsense, and I think you shouldn't be doing that. Having said that, the NHL wants to stay there, and truthfully, I would like Arizona to stay there because of the impacts I mentioned off the top of the show. And also, I believe it's the 10th biggest metro market in America. Exactly. It's really good for the growth of the game. We've seen the tangible proof of that. And so I think it's really important that they stay. And in order to do that, Alex Morello needs to be like his ownership stake needs to be fired into the sun. Well, he's like in jail right now, isn't he? Or he's no, like no, that's on... Andrew Boraway. That's the other one. Boraway? <laughs> I thought yeah. it was Morello. Nope. Okay. Andrew Barraway is the one with the... the yes, you're lines. right. Um, but what I'm saying is, so like Ryan Reynolds just dropped out of the Ottawa Senators running. And the Remington Group clearly wants to own a hockey team. Remington Group is also a massive real estate firm. With all of the money imaginable to build things. That's mm-hmm. what they do, right? If they want to own a team, maybe they should buy the Coyotes. But you also have... The NHL, it's been reported by Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick and Chris Johnston that the NHL has had meetings with Quebec and a lot of them and meetings with the Utah Jazz owner. I think Quebec is kind of neat because they're never in expansion talks and they have a brand new 18,000 seat arena that is perpetually filled out all the time. And we know that there's appetite for hockey in Quebec. I do think it would be a realignment nightmare The Utah Jazz one is a little weird, like the owners tweeting and everything. But here's what I think the actual solution is. Matt Ishbia just bought Mm. the Phoenix Suns. And I believe the Phoenix Mercury. He has all of the money, all of it. And he just spent a bunch of money retrofitting the Phoenix Suns court so that it would be better. Right. Remember when the Islanders were playing in Brooklyn? Like, I remember working for the Devils when that was a thing. And, like, it was awful to watch a game there. Now, their rank, unfreaking believable. Yeah, UBS. It's amazing. I love it. So, what I would like to see ideally is either Matt Ishbia buys them or somebody buys them with the full intention of either putting them where the Phoenix Suns play or building an arena that they fund. For them to stay in Arizona, because like you pointed out, 10th biggest metropolitan area, there's already been huge growth in grassroots hockey. We've seen growth of the game. There's clearly interest. Mullet Arena was a fantastic atmosphere last season. The amount of Snapchats I got from people that were at games, incredible. And so for me, like I would like to see them there. However, in order for this to work, you need to have ownership that is going to be proper stewards of the organization. We talked about how Eugene Melnick wasn't a very good owner. And we talked about how 
other NHL owners aren't very good owners. This is a bad owner. At least Eugene Melnick and some of the other owners weren't cheating with revenue sharing money, weren't artificially circumventing the salary cap, weren't trying to uh, bully their vendors, weren't not paying rent. Like all of these things should totally discredit you from being an NHL owner. And like, shockingly in this vote, the Coyotes cheaped out on trying to mobilize the voting base and their opposition spent $2 million and handedly won the vote. So like, of course, the organization that cheaps out on everything cheaped out on this. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. First of all, I think that it's going to be Utah. Like everything that I've heard is that I they're like that, that they're ready. You, for, no offense to Salt Lake, but like, you could barely get a beer in the Salt Lake airport without pulling someone's teeth out. The players are going to hate it. And that's the other thing we didn't even mention. Everyone's like, relocate them, relocate them, relocate them. You're uprooting families. Yeah. And these guys have no movement clauses, some of them. Like, does no movement clause mean no movement? Like, I think you and I both agree it's best for the team to stay in Arizona and either, like, play where the Suns play or get a new owner. But the Suns have shown no... um... The Suns have shown no inclination. Like, why would they? Why would they strap themselves to this? Like, well, like I could to... see Ishbia wanting to buy the Coyotes. I could see that yeah, he's a very see... like sports centric guy. And but he just I spent four point three on the on the Suns. Like, it's like he's. He I know he's got a. I know he's got a lot of money, but like, we and never the Coyotes know how... aren't worth a billion dollars. And we never know how liquid these guys are. But like, he just spent that. And the thing is, too, is like in terms of tenants, tenants. Um, like, why would you want to get in bed with the Arizona Coyotes right now? Oh, no. What have they done no, no, from no, no, a business no. perspective to show you? Like, on top of, yeah, you can talk about growing the game. Like, they do a great job of growing the game. You know, they 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 do a great job of, of you know, like, their, I think their, their jerseys That's are really cool. That's not the executives. But, oh, their jerseys are cool, and I will be right pissed if they go away from the Kachina. In fact, well, I'm going to have to Kachina, buy a Kachina jersey. The Kachina, like, if they if they relocate, they will, because the Kachina jersey is, like, it's, it's literally like a native like a uh, uh, Arizona yeah. like design. Like, so I'm not I, just going to go to Houston. I think, I think it's at the end of the day, this, this sucks for the Coyotes fans, Coyotes players, all the grassroots people and the people who are like lower level employees in the organization that would lose their jobs. I don't feel bad for anybody who's an executive there because this is their doing, but think about all the people that are making 50 to a hundred or $80,000 working for the Coyotes. They're all potentially going to lose their livelihood because this is such a dumpster fire of an ownership group and has been for decades. This is totally awful and I feel terrible for all of them. And so if I see you dunking on Coyotes fans on Twitter, I'm going to scream at you. Don't dunk on the fans, dunk on the organization. Yeah. So like, you want to dunk on Alex Morello and Javier Gutierrez? Be my guest. Carry on, continue. You'll never hear any complaints yeah, from me. I, I, I see you talking about like, oh, what are their 10 fans going to do? I am actually going to yell at you. Well, <laughs> okay but like it's just when i saw when i saw the like i said when i saw the you know to our pack we're we're like don't give up yet i'm gonna like i was gonna lose my mind like how many times can we go through this how many times are they i i understand it's important to keep it but like li- like how many how many failed bids how many failed projections like are we it's just going over and over and over again and it's and impacting time, the cap it's, it's holding of hockey back revenue hockey it's holding back the league and like if i was the nhl and keep in mind i'm not and also the nhl like i i tend to make 
all, like some sometimes good choices in my life, sometimes bad. But I feel like I have, a, I have a better batting average in terms of that than the NHL. Like I would want, I would basically want to get the situation solidified like right now. Like I'd be like, sure, we have a plan for next season. So everyone who lives there knows they're going to be still living in Arizona, or and they in, have jobs, in, and, and you have whatever, jobs yeah. and and all that, whatever. But we need to figure out. We need to, and we basically need to get this figured out, like like by the draft because or by free agency because the coyotes are going to go in like why would anyone sign with this team now you're gonna you're gonna sign in arizona you're gonna sign to your deal in arizona you could be in freaking utah next like in, in 18 months yeah so that's i think you're right this needs to get figured out and quickly i'm still on the side of i'd Keep like in there but if i have like but, but get rid of I'm, the owner he sucks he's gotta go but then yeah but but even that, like, go. that's another ownership change with this team. And I know it's, it, it would be necessary, yeah. but like, holy smokes, this is like, at, at a this certain should, point, he shouldn't have been able to buy the coyotes in the first place. No. Everybody knew what his motives were. And everyone knew that this wasn't going to work. And they still went forward. And I don't blame the NHL per se, because they had kind of the controlling interest and it was their situation. But the reality is, is the reason hockey hasn't worked in Arizona is not because hockey can't work in Arizona. We've very clearly seen that it can through all of the grassroots work. It's because they have not had a stable owner. Why would you put your energy? It's like, you know what a lot of people are, it's a great example of this is Netflix right now because Netflix is can't <laughs> is they have this algorithm where they where where the launch a show, the launch a million shows. And then they realize that, you know, the algorithm tells them that viewership drops off that drops off after season two. So what they'll do is they'll is they'll fund these two seasons and then they'll just cancel it out of nowhere in season two because they realize, oh, it's it's it'll lose us like it'll make us more money to just sort of scrap it and go on to something new than continuing this and like eating the, the viewership drop. But that that is now having a negative effect on their viewer base because people are going, why would when a new Netflix show comes out, they go, why would I want to watch the show, get emotionally in, invested, start caring for these characters and then, you know, after, because when Netflix can just pull the rug out at any moment and they will likely cancel it right after season two. So I'm just not going to I'm just not going to watch this new show because it doesn't matter. And that's what the Arizona Coyotes has been like, where it's like, why would you if you're if you're a casual sports fan in, in the Arizona area, area, wherever they're playing, whether it's Glendale, Tempe, Scottsdale, wherever, yeah. why would you start caring about the Arizona Coyotes? Exactly. Why you're going to start getting emotionally invested, and then the next year you're going to realize, oh, they don't pay their rent. Oh, they like the the city. They might be leaving. The city just voted against uh, <laughs> against the plan. And like, keep in mind, this is not just like in terms of of the vote, like we, we were talking about with the Tempe stuff. Like, this is not a that this getting a vote, getting a no vote on these three proposals on a on a proposal like this should should be the death now. Because you are never going to get a better, uh, as a citizen of Arizona, you are never going to get a better arena deal than this. You are never. No. Getting, it's it's two point one billion dollars in uh, uh in in like that is privately funded. You are not paying any. It's not costing you any tax, at least as far as we know. Um, that could change if if someone else gets elected and then they decide to renegotiate or whatever. But as of now, costing you no money. It's it, so you have another person paying two point one billion dollars to build this entire to like redevelop this uh, this this and I also like I was reading on, in residential stuff and everything and on top of that seven thousand jobs will be created yeah. over this and a, sh a crap ton of real estate uh, like like I I think it's something like over over four hundred thousand square feet of re open real estate and I think it's like 
it's like two something like 500 new homes or something like it's there's a lot of stuff in there okay so economically as appealing and you're never going to get a better one that and they all voted no resoundingly give up like i'm okay so you're not going to get a better one than that yeah so economically speaking i just want to say this i went through and looked at some of the demographics of like the voters versus like what it is in like the area and i gotta be honest with you there were way too many 65 plus year old people that are unionized people that were angry that the unions might not get the job like you're voting down, and this is where, like, I'm going to separate the fact that I don't like Alex Murillo or the Arizona yeah. Coyotes. And just say that voting against this as a Coyote, like, as somebody who lives in Tempe, or Tempe, is colossally stupid. Because what you've done is, you it's, yes, you might have to pay, like, a little bit of tax money, but $2.1 billion of private money is the most you're probably ever going to get. Then you talk about the economic impact of adding 7,000 jobs. You talk about the economic impact of all the real estate that you just mentioned. You talk about the economic impact of getting high-end events like potentially the All-Star Game or the draft or whatever the case may be. You talk about the economic impact of putting a district like that. If you look at what's happened in Detroit when the Illich family completely revamped the Detroit downtown core, the economic impact from a positive perspective has been absolutely incredible. And this could have been an opportunity for Arizona. But because the Morello said he is not guaranteeing giving it to the union to build, which I don't blame him because unions are freaking expensive. And that's just like how it is. If he's paying for and building the building, he should be able to build with whomever he so chooses to build. So from an actual like economic perspective in terms of increasing the value of your home in the Tempe area, increasing the value of just being in Tempe in general, every person who voted against this is a goddamn idiot. Well, like, also, you just also, are. But here's, here's where it all stems back. It all goes back to the owners and how just unbelievably either incompetent or dumb they are really because yeah they couldn't read the room (laughs) after this came out we we got we also got two other figures that are important we'll move on after this is that um the so the the coyotes their management group like the the vote yes for tempe or or, you know whatever that that organization yeah whatever the campaign was they spent they spent uh two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on lobbying and ads you know like they 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 not enough 250 grand on literally they had the gm of the team Going door to door, you know stuff like that. They they tried they they spent two hundred fifty thousand dollars on lobbying on ads. You know you're watching reruns of Seinfeld on local Fox Arizona, and, and the commercial break is you know like why you should vote yes for Tempe. You know how much the union spent? Two million. They spent two million dollars. So they they even pinched pennies on their lobbying to get their new rank. Like I, yeah. who knows what would have happened? But if they if, if these owners who supposedly have deep pockets, if they shelled out $2 million of their own net worth to, to do this, who knows what might be happening? Yeah. Who knows? I just think or the, the just arena deal units. was on the surface. The arena deal was actually a very good deal. I can it understand was. the angle of taxpayer money and like not trusting ownership. But generally speaking, if you just look at the deal, it's not often that city council unanimously is in favor of something. And they were, which tells you that this was a good deal. But voting it down <laughs> on a landfill that's going to remain a landfill and you're like, okay, maybe they're not 
trustworthy, but at the same time, you could ask for the money up front. Like, just because this gets approved doesn't mean they're automatically getting it. You can then say, you have to pay up front or whatever the case may be. But just because the guy who's paying to build the building didn't want to use your union, you have now eschewed all of this positive economic impact. Sorry, but you're stupid. Like, yeah. you're dumb. I want to I wanna keep hockey in Arizona. I really do. But I refuse to go through another saga like this like i refuse i refuse to to cover land agreements and you know like look through public records on whether or not they're paying rent or whether or not they have the ability to to zone a a a plot of land and you know like this is unbelievable yeah i don't care anymore let me know when the ring no other sport does this no other sport does this no other sport has their commissioner in ads going Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Bettman. Please vote yes on proposal 301, 302, and 303 so we can keep hockey in Arizona. No other league does that. It's, it's, It's poverty. Like, it's a joke. And regardless of how good the arena deal is, like... Like the arena deal is as good as it's gonna is as, as it's gonna get. It you had an incredible arena deal, and you had that it was going on a garbage dump that is not being used, and it still got voted down. That should tell you something about whether or not hockey at it under your purview or in its current form right now is viable in Arizona. It's not. So unless and unless someone comes out of the woodwork and says, "Here, notorious tenant who has never paid their rent." whose credit score is probably terrible, you know, who does all this. They have a credit score of like 200. Who has zero landlord references, you know, here, come into my building. We'll, we'll retrofit it with, uh, for hockey, which costs a lot of money. And boom, there you go. It, it, unless it happens, figure something else out, put it somewhere else. I'm sick of this. And it, it's, it's unfair to keep the fans. It's unfair to keep the fans hoping. Just rip the bandaid yeah. off. Yeah, stop leaving them hanging. Stop leaving the players hanging. Exactly. Anyways, that's enough Arizona talk. I'm sick and tired of this. Yes, me too. I hope that's the last we talk about that organization until either they have a new rank in in Arizona or they are the Houston Coyotes or whatever. I don't care. Anyway, um, we talked a lot about the Leafs last episode, um, but still I feel like it's important to, to keep talking about it because right now, I mean... It's radio silence around the team after we talked, you know, we broke down Kyle Dubas's big, uh, uh, bombastic, you know, absolutely. Yeah, we, we didn't really like get deep into it. We just mainly kind of talked about like our initial reaction to the presser. We didn't break down kind of what we think will happen going forward. We still haven't heard from Brendan Shanahan. And so that's the biggest thing we have to talk about here is the fact that we, we are not, we haven't heard from Brendan Shanahan. We haven't heard from Brendan Shanahan in a year. We haven't yeah, heard so from. I got asked this question by three people from three separate major U.S. markets. Is it weird that Shanahan hasn't spoken yet? Mm-hmm. And my answer, honestly, because I think of things, I have totally removed my hockey brain from things because, lol. Um, I don't think that it's abnormal. And I'll tell you why. Brendan okay. Shanahan is not the president of hockey operations. Brendan mm-hmm. Shanahan okay. is the president. End. And a president and a president of hockey operations are two different things. And I will happily explain the difference very quickly. President of hockey operations only oversees hockey. And they usually have the final say on things like the moves that get made, the contracts that get signed, the who wears the captaincy, the coach, like those things. President of hockey operations. They're in charge of hockey operations. The president of an organization, I would say less than 10% of their job is the actual 
hockey operations department. Because when you're the president of the organization, your main goal is to ensure that your hockey team is profitable. So we're talking marketing, tickets, venues, um, all man- brand management, community outreach, like all of the business stuff. It's like running a Fortune 500 company, which is why, with the exception of like a couple, I would say that professional athletes should not be presidents of hockey teams because they have zero business experience, zero law experience. There's nothing in there that would tell you that they're remotely qualified to be a president unless they have previous business experience. Under Shanahan, the Leafs have completely rebranded, completely repaired their image, fixed their alumni relations, fixed their community outreach, done a lot of great work, and most importantly, made a boatload of money. They are the most profitable team in the National Hockey League. Brendan Shanahan's job is not to come out and answer questions from hockey media members. Brendan Shanahan's job is to make money for Bell Rogers and Larry Tannenbaum. So I understand that there's like this hockey angle because he's a hockey guy, but he is not the president of hockey operations the way that Jim Rutherford is or Keith Jones is or Brian Burke is or was. And it's different. So while you might want to hear from Brendan Shanahan who's the president of the organization, it is actually probably better that you don't hear from him, right? You don't hear from Michael Doyle in Vancouver. You don't hear from, I don't even know who the CEO is in Philadelphia. I couldn't tell you who it is in Pittsburgh. The only reason you hear from Cam Neely is because he's also the president of the organization in Boston. So it's a little bit different than your typical poho. So it's weird. It's, it's weird. It, yes, you're right. It's, but the th- main thing is it's weird in the sense that it's a break from precedent um, because See, and I think that's just more him saying KD is taking over the hockey side and I'm focusing on the business side. See, yes, <laughs> I, I can, I can see that. But the weird thing is, is that every year it has been after, after the inevitable Leafs playoff disappointment, it's been Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas sitting up there pr- presenting a, 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 a unified front Um and then we hear rumors of tension between those two. We don't see him in the press box or like, I didn't see him in the press box all year. I was there for every Leafs home game. Didn't see, didn't see him in the press Shanahan's, box all year. Shanahan's on the 200 level suites and Dubas likes his, uh, yeah, his he likes press it up box. There. But I was the same way though. Like we had, when I was in New Jersey, we had a suite on like the 100 level that we could have sat in and everybody pretty much sat there. And myself and one other person from PR chose to sit in the press box suite just because we liked the vantage point. <laughs> so, it, but the main thing is it's a break from, it's a break, it's a break from the norm. And when it's happening in the context of this guy's contract is up, Dubas, um, and that there is uh, uh, like tension between the two um, and in that front office, it, it's, that is weird. Like, like I, I understand that he's the president, but Brendan Shanahan, at least once a year, has a media availability and he hasn't had one in 18 months or a year now. Like I it's see, like, I actually, I think that everyone, and this is me with my business brain. I think everybody in Toronto is blowing this way out of proportion. And that's, I think, I think people are absolutely insane for this. Sure. That's fine. But a- another thing too, is that, is that he will, he will speak when um, like, there's no point in him speaking now when Dubis is when, when the Dubis situation is up in the air, because right. What will happen is if he spoke at media day, um, which by the way, unbelievably disorganized. Like it, like which I don't is know. Shocking because Steve Keogh runs a pretty tight ship. I don't know what was going on there, but like 
supposed to get there at nine. Dubas didn't end up speaking until like two thirty, and I left. Like I like I was like, there's no, nothing new. But um, uh, it like if he spoke at media day, he would have. You know, like he would have obviously the only things he would have been asked was Dubas and he would have given his canned answers or whatever, whatever. And then and then yeah, two so weeks really later, point. <laughs> and then two weeks later, he'd have to wait and he'd probably speak it he'd, and he'd have to speak again, either whether it's to along with Dubas address an extension um, or or after Dubas says, I'm not coming back, whether it's to address his departure or announce someone new. There's no point. He would have to be speaking twice within like two weeks. And there's no point. So I'll tell you what this is. And the average Leaf fan is not going to know this, but because I have my closeness with Toronto FC, um, I know I've, I've kind of figured out how the rest of the MLSE organizations operate. And the Leafs are the only one that operated in such a fashion where the president and the GM would address the media together. So in Raptors land, Masai always addresses the media by himself after Bobby Webster and whoever the coach is. And it's always like a, a week later or a few days later. In Toronto FC land, Bill Manning does not, and he is also the president of the Argos, he does not address the media unless they are breaking the record for signing the most expensive player in MLS history or bringing on a new technical director, which is effectively a new GM. We haven't heard from Bill since Insigne signed and Bob Bradley was brought on. So it's kind of, how I, I wonder if it's something coming from the board in that you guys are the presidents of the organization. We do not want you speaking on player related matters. You need to leave that to Bobby Webster, Kyle Dubis, Bob Bradley, instead of you coming out and doing it. I, I, I do wonder if that's kind of been a corporate mandate from Bell and Rogers who are corporate companies to say, Hey, you're the president not the president of basketball, hockey, soccer operations, step the hell back. See, the one thing I will say with that is that it's not as big of a stage um, like uh, like TFC. Like I couldn't tell uh, you. TFC is big in Europe. They're bigger than in Europe than the Leafs are. Than it's, in Toronto? It, no, I'm saying like you're talking about, first of all, the Raptors are a global brand in the same way that the Leafs are because NBA, LOL. And I was going to bring up the Raptors next. And and soccer is a global sport. The fact that Toronto FC signed a Juventus player and a Napoli player who played in the European Championships, sure, they might not be as big in Toronto, but worldwide, I'd actually wager to guess that more people know who Toronto FC is than the Leafs now because of how big they are in soccer. Almost everybody in the European Soccerville knows or sphere knows who Toronto FC is. And most of those people have no idea who the Leafs are. All right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know freaking anything about soccer and I genuinely don't care. So I like, I'll take your word for it. But what I will say is that Masai Ujiri speaks start of the season, trade deadline after the season. Um, and he speaks alongside Bobby Webster. And these are two, these are two teams that share offices you know, they like this is these are two of the the premier, at least, you know, within North America, the two brand, the two premier brands yeah. of MLSE. And For so sure. if if and I guarantee you, if if after what happened with the with the Raptors this year, if Masai didn't step to the podium along with Bobby and speak, that would be a huge story. I don't think anyone's blowing it out of proportion in the sense that. Like, I don't know if it's if it's that we haven't heard from Shanahan yet after the season. It's that we haven't heard from him in a year. And I'm sure TFC might be might do something differently, whatever. But the but we've seen for over half a decade now 
um, this exact same formula happen where they both go and they sit down and they have a um, presented front. And the one year where tensions have been rising and contracts are up and disappointment is at the helm and big change is going to happen. They move away from that. That's a big deal. And number two, it's that they they uh, is, is that they're they're We already have a precedent of this other organization doing this and they're not doing like I don't think it's I, I I don't think it's it's unreasonable to go why has why haven't we seen or heard from Brandon Shanahan the president of the Toronto Maple Leafs um who who continues to make these these statements why haven't we heard from him in over a year I think it's not I don't think it's unreasonable no I don't think that's unreasonable but saying that like it's one thing to say what you just said, and I think that's totally reasonable. I think it's entirely another thing to say, because we haven't heard from him, everything is on fire. And that is what people are saying, and that's where I'm saying, like, you need to calm down. Just because yes. you ha- just because you want to hear from somebody doesn't mean you get to hear from them. That's not how that works. We, and, and we will hear from him. And you will hear from him. If they had said... Brendan Shanahan is not speaking, then I'd be like, okay, that's... Like he will be speaking in, like in the coming days late, or whatever. Yeah, so to me, like I, I just, I think it's being, your take right there was super measured in that it's not unreasonable to ask Brendan Shanahan to speak once a year. I think that's pretty like... That's the bare minimum, be, I'd say. Yeah, that, I, think, I think that's a pretty reasonable expectation. But what I'm seeing is people are saying oh my God, they didn't speak together. And that means everything's getting blown up. It's like, okay, you need to like take it down several, several notches. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I maybe, I mean, we're already kind of long here because we talked mm-hmm. about the Coyotes for far longer than I cared to. But maybe we need to discuss why the vibe is different this year because you just described how everything is- Everything's different. Everything's crazy. And it actually feels like this is when a major shakeup's coming. It, it feels- this is, you know, I've been around the team all year, mm-hmm. you know, in literally in their dressing room, you know, pra- doing around, a great job. Pra- thank you. Around the practice rink, home games, all that. Everything was super measured this year, super mm-hmm. calculated, whatever. Media day felt like chaos. It felt like they were scrambling. And I think, I think that is extremely, Im- I think it's very important that we don't ignore that. It I think it's very like indicative of, of how um, they What's view going the end on. of their season. Yeah, I yeah. think you make a great point. That's that's a really great point. Because there's a lot up in the air. Like, literally, this team, we with one fell swoop, like, if Dubas says, if Dubas you know, has this conversation with his family and goes, you know what, it's just not worth potentially my marriage or potentially enjoying my, the formative years of my children growing up, you know, like there's a lot going at play here yeah. and we wouldn't blame him one iota if he decides, you know what, I'm going to take a step away. If he decides that it, a nuke is dropped in the organization because we have no idea what's going to, what's going to happen. There's a bigger chance that Sheldon Keefe gets fired. If Dubas uh, uh, doesn't come back. Um, there's a, Oh, I think if Dubas isn't back, Keefe is pretty Keefe much hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, like Austin, the Austin math, Matthews has said he wants to stay in Toronto. It's, a, it's an honor or whatever, but him and Dubas are very close and he has to sign that it, he has to sign that offer, uh, or at least sign that contract extension before July 1st for that, that trade. No, he can't, he can't sign before July 1st. No, he like can agree in principle to it. Yes, exactly. So he yeah. can sign it. So, so, you know, like, like unless, or they have to know that he's signing it because his, he has a no move clause that kicks in on July 1st, which would then, because basically if he doesn't sign an extension, you can't have him coming back to back to training camp no. on like you you're gonna have to and trade him 
that's the other thing this Arizona thing is aptly so timed for. We yeah. can now stop that Austin Matthews the, yeah. is going to Arizona. It was never happening. And on top at of least that not too. on this contract. And, and now we can definitely stop it because they're probably might not even be playing there. So just everybody chill. I honestly think that if Matthews doesn't play in Toronto, he's probably playing in LA. Yeah. And so on top of that too, um, is that if Keith isn't, uh, sorry, if Dubas isn't back, regardless, like if Dubas isn't back, I think there's a far, I, I, I think Marner has gone regardless. Yeah, I really do. But they have to make that, they have to have someone there to make that decision. And whether that's the guy who's been there forever and who has like a track record of building this team, who's now making this big sort of um, this big deal. I have a fly. It's on my mic right now. Um, but making, great. A, making a big deal or it's a new guy who's come in and is going to, and immediately his first tour business is trading like a foundational player. Like, like there's a, like this, this team could look completely different you know, depending on what happens in the next, I would say, week. Yeah, so I don't want to read too much into, like, what the various players said, but obviously Tavares has a no-move clause. He's and not going he's anywhere. not going anywhere. Um, Rod Brindamore has talked about stripping captaincies, and, and for a veteran player, especially when they mean a lot to the franchise, why that's a bad idea. So, like, while I understand he might not be producing at the level that maybe, like, Morgan Riley is, I personally would not strip the captaincy from John Tavares because I actually think he handles being the captain in this hockey market better than anybody since Sundin. Also, like uh, he was first of all, he scored the OT winner to to give them their first series win in 19 yeah. years. And he was also a 30 goal point per game player. Exactly. Despite, so to say like yeah. it's I think that's silly. I really liked what I heard from William Nylander. He is usually somebody and like like I was with MLSE as an intern when Nylander was drafted. So I have seen this guy for for time. Time I have seen this guy. And at development camp, and now this is the first time I have heard William Nylander really put a stake in the ground. He's usually mm-hmm. very nonchalant, and I wrote the piece about how that rubs people That's the wrong perfect. way. It's perfect and it, for the, the organization, or the, the market. He's, he's Teflon, and that's absolutely perfect. So for William Nylander on Exitate to come out and say, I don't want to be anywhere else was a departure in personality for him. And I thought that was notable. We know Mitch Marner wants to be in Toronto. We expected Austin Matthews to say, I'm looking, I intend to resign here. I did not expect to hear William Nylander be that um, forward with his desire. I expected him to kind of be like, yeah, I mean, we all want to win here. And obviously um, we haven't done that yet. Like, you know, the usual platitudes, mm-hmm. but for him to come out and say, I want to be here. I want my agent to get it done. That was notable for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think there's going to be significant change it, that will likely come in the form of a Mitch Marner trade and the pieces that come back in that. And, you know, obviously, I mean, Mitch Marner means a lot to that locker room. Like he, like he is the, and he's the, a great hockey player. He's a great hockey player. And and all that he is he is the beating heart of that locker room. Like they 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 rally around him. He's you know his positivity, his energy, all that. Like it just seems like it's a perfect time though for these two sides to to split. Um, so but that's huge. And he's a he's a Selkie nominee. He yeah. is effectively a one hundred point player. Um, so to like, what does a trade have to look like? I have no idea. You don't want to be 
on the Calgary side of the Matthew Kachuk trade. And I think Justin Bourne made a great point. The Leafs, if they trade Marner, are more likely to be on the Huberto Uyghur side of the deal than they yeah. are to be on the Kachuk side of the deal. The There are a couple of places that make some sense to me. So Columbus, we know, has had interest in him. They also have all manner of prospect capital, player capital. So you could do something that's like a Cole Sillinger, David Juracek type of scenario there. You, They have guys, I don't think they're going to move Wierenski, but they have other guys that you could use to make the salary work. Vancouver famously has Thatcher, Demko, and Brock Besser. I don't think JT Miller is a good idea. I don't think Connor Garland's a good idea. But there is something to be said there. They can move off maybe a couple of their wingers, although Mitch Marner has played center, so I'm, I'm not exactly unconvinced that he can't do that. The, but the intriguing one for me is Colorado because on the back end, they have Kale McCarr, Devin Taves, Samuel Girard, and Bowen Byram. Those are four studs. You could absolutely make a deal that involves Marner, maybe Nylander, for one of Byram and maybe to make salary work, somebody like Arturi Lekkinen. Um, You're still losing I, that trade. But I think... But I think if you get so if you go Marner and you get Devin Taves back in the deal with an extension because Taves is eligible for, eligible for an extension on July first, if you can get Devin Taves back in the deal, I think you have a better chance of it being a win win for both teams. Yeah, but I mean, I think the the uh, uh, like the Flame said, well, if we can get Mackenzie Weger back in the deal, I think it's a bigger win, bigger chance for both teams. Like, but for you can't not do anything and that's the thing no no no. and he's gonna get dealt i and the thing is like normally i would say like oh that's a great i think you your columbus package is great because you know they get a guy in your check who could be like a foundational defenseman for them and you know like maybe some guy up like you know uh, another or then the third overall pick another prospect up front or a third overall pick but then i go like they don't like they're not looking for prospects like they're looking for guys who can compete now. They don't care. They don't want a mystery box. And no Juracek matter what, is going to play top four in the NHL next year. I would put a thousand dollars on that. But I think I think at the end of the day, like they don't want picks or like at least prospects. Like prospects are a mystery box, even if the mystery is easily solved. You know, like it's. But like you they, could do something where so Anna, let's go Anaheim for example, right? If Anaheim picks up the phone and says, I want Mitch Marner and I will trade you Olin Zellweger and the second overall pick, I do that in a heartbeat. Olin yeah. Zellweger is likely an NHL player next year and Adam Fantilli is an NHL player next year. Mm-hmm. Adam Fantilli I, yeah. is probably a 60-point player in the NHL next year. So that's getting immediate help. Even if you do it with Columbus, you can take Leo Carlson. I think Leo Carlson is in the NHL next year. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting Carlson and Juracek, that's two players on ELCs, Maybe that gives you room to sign other players. But all I'm saying is I think that Kyle Dubas, and to his credit, he's far more adaptable than most other GMs um, in, in terms of like understanding his mistakes and where he needs to get better. I think he's realized you cannot have three $11 million forwards. Yeah. Well, at least ones that are that fit the mold that they do. Right. Because Tavares, still a phenomenally productive player. I, I still love him. I think he's great. I I would be hesitant to move him even if he didn't have a no-move clause. Like, he, I, I, he's not going anywhere. It's not exactly. I, but I'd be hesitant to move him even if he didn't have a no-move clause. Like, I think, you know, he's a he's a point-per-game 
a 30 goal guy, power play monster, um, you know, who has like fine defensive defensive metrics, who is also the captain of the team. Like, I think it's very important. Um, it's just, you, you can't like, when it comes to these players, you cannot have three $11 million guys because Tavares in certain situations does have to be sheltered. He doesn't, he doesn't penalty kill. He and doesn't, this like, is also not the solution. And I screenshotted this because I wanted to bring this up as yeah. we discuss trades. Leafs land legend had perhaps the dumbest. Oh boy. Tweet I have seen what was on it? Leafs Twitter in a decade. Think about that for a second. Okay. All the bad takes, editor and Leaf combined. You want a culture change? Out, Marner Nylander. In, Tom Wilson, Travis Konechny, Tyler Bertuzzi, and Corey Perry. Are you on drugs? I would not trade Mitch Marner for all of those players. Don't even give like, those people the time of day. No, but what I'm saying is, is like when you when you talk about trading a player like a Marner or a Nylander, this is a top 20, top 30 player in the National Hockey League. You cannot be trading them for seven pieces. That is not how that works. And if you're trading them for seven pieces, like it better be like two first line players and a draft pick and whatever else you need to make the money work. But you cannot just like in what world are you making anything like that happen? At least Bowen Byram has proven he can play top four minutes on a Stanley cup winning team. That's important. Samuel Gerrard, the same thing. Devin Taves, arguably a team Canada defenseman uh, at the Olympics. That's fine. You can't just trade players for the sake of trading them or else you end up getting hosed, which is what happened in the Calgary, Florida deal. Yeah. All right, Rachel, I think that's a great place to stop. Um, we will obviously like, there will continue to be a lot of things to talk about. We might, by the time that this next episode comes out, which will be Monday, we, uh, you know, we might have an answer to whether or not Dubas is staying. We might have an answer to, you know, all these, all these different things we will have to see, but until then, Stay, stay safe, stay fun. Go check out the hockeynews.com slash podcast for all of the, uh, the podcast archives. And uh, yeah, till then, we'll see you next week. Yes, and I wanted to give a quick congratulations because my friend scored his first career goal in MLS last night. So Lucas McNaughton, Nashville. He, Toronto just traded him there. Congratulations, buddy. It was a beautiful goal, and I'm, I'm super happy for you. So, uh, yep, you got a fan in me, of course, and we'll see you guys next time. Good for you, man. Uh, Sorry for saying I don't care about soccer.